0: and you're going to be getting unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon. Visible is the wireless carrier that's constantly operating from a zone of truth. In their quest for total transparency, Visible wants you to know the monthly rate on the Visible plan. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. Save on wireless without the hassle. Switch to Visible today and save at Visible.com.
1: Greetings, adventurers. Today we're excited to introduce you to a new story, Dark Dice. Dark Dice
0: Hey everybody, welcome to the Dungeon Cast. I'm Brian, and I'm William. This is the podcast where we talk about everything tabletop role playing
2: games. And Today we are talking about how to run a combat encounter in Pathfinder Second Edition. One,
1: two, three,
2: four. Welcome adventurers to the Dungeon
0: yeah. Cast. Hey Brian. Hey Will. It's time to fight. I mean, it's fucking right. It is Pathfinder Two E style. Yeah, it's real <laughs> cool. You can do three stuffs. Yeah, you can do three three full uh-huh, actions. Three things. Every turn. All the time. Yeah, all the, every, whenever all the time. Whenever you want. Yep. Or you can do a, a thing that costs two and a thing that costs one. That's true. Or yeah.
2: a thing that costs three.
0: But, but yeah. Yeah. But three is <laughs> the magic number here, right? Three is the magic number, yeah. Take me to the, the, the Battle Dome.
2: <laughs> all right. So today we are going over how to kill monsters and what Pathfinder 2 e-combat is like. Or your friends. <laughs> Or your friends. Spoiler, it is somewhat more rewarding tactically than fifth edition Dungeons and
0: Dragons. Yeah, my greatest critique of D and D fifth edition is the combat system. It is clunks. Yeah. There's it things is. you can do about it, but like presented as is, um, you know
2: It is it is clunky. It's yeah. true. Which is funny because fourth edition, the, the thing that is the most mechanically sound about it is its combat, although its combat is very polarizing.
0: But back, yeah. back
2: here. Uh to add to that, it is also somewhat more complex though. Um, with more moving parts though i would say not too complex it is less complex and number crunchy than pathfinder first edition or dnd 3.5 or fourth edition all that being said i will repeat what i said in the learning pathfinder 2e episode if you are already familiar with DD fifth edition or any edition of dnd for that matter then you are already 70 percent of the way there to understanding pathfinder second edition's combat system
0: it's true yeah
2: initiative Rounds, turns, actions, spells, attack rolls, damage rolls, etc. A lot of it is going to be the same or very close to the same. So don't be intimidated. Dive right in. The water is fine.
0: Yeah, it's tasty too. It um, it's also tasty, but don't drink it after oh, it a bunch like, of people. Yeah, right? d- after don't drink it after a bunch of people have been in there because, like, if you pay attention to any like pool party sort of situation, nobody's going to the restroom. That's. <laughs> No one's going to the restroom.
2: I will say the water is a little bit greener. Anyways, moving on. (laughs) So much like D&D, Pathfinder handles encounter or combat events in its own individual mode. Mm. Encounter mode. In this mode, time is divided into rounds, each of which is six seconds of time in the game world. Just like D&D 5th edition. Every round, each participant takes a turn in an established order. Just like 5e. Yeah. During your turn, you can use actions, and depending on the details of the encounter, you might have the opportunity to use reactions and free actions on your own turn and on other turns, just like
0: just like the other game we know. <laughs> it's true. It's uh, Pathfinder 2e is like basically D&D with a bunch of other stuff.
2: Like the honest like honest to god, Pathfinder and D&D are they they're not just cousins. They're cousins that are raised in the same house. Like they they're they're it's all d d. It really I, is.
0: I it it honestly feels really similar. The the thing that Pathfinder has is definitions for everything. It's true. It's not wide open and left all loosey goosey, and you don't have to like it, go. It's into- a
2: very opposite approach, and I think I think people can feel one way or another about it the same way they do about fifth edition. So with fifth edition, there's a lot of people that love its openness. Mm-hmm and feel that's great and there's a lot of people who feel like they want more to grab onto
0: yeah well this has it this has that definitely yeah. And
2: i think with pathfinder it's kind of the opposite i think this has a lot to grab onto and i think a lot of people feel like that's great but i think a lot of other people feel and this i think they're kind of wrong in this but they feel like they're obligated to use it and it's too much and to, to that i say like well you're not obligated to use any of it if there's if any of it is ever too much just don't use it
0: yeah, I mean, we <laughs> we were trying to, like, suss out how to do it ourselves in situations uh, during our game of Unhollowed, where it was like, mm-hmm. well, this is what we could do, and then I would, like, find it after the fact. Yeah. It, like, quantified, and it's like, oh, it's exactly what we fucking did.
2: Exactly. You so know? It, it, I do think the game is pretty intuitive.
0: Yeah, it it is. Yeah. It, just ha- it just all spelled out. It's very it interesting. Indeed.
2: And just like D&D, common encounters start with two words. Roll initiative. Roll initiative. Roll
0: initiative.
2: <laughs> when the GM calls for it, you'll roll initiative to determine your place in the initiative order, which is the sequence in which the encounter's
0: participants will take their turns. Rolling initiative marks the start of an encounter. Yeah, you can't just say you roll initiative. That's like the most annoying shit. It's like, okay, I roll initiative. I was like, no, you don't. You, I mean, you fucking don't. swing your sword at him. I say that. Yeah, you don't say that. Absolutely. You sit there and
2: I sit here. <laughs> So typically, and this is where we start to diverge, you will roll a perception check to determine your initiative. Mm. Uh, the more aware you are of your surroundings, the more quickly you can respond is the idea here. That's cool. Sometimes, though, the, DM, the GM might call on you to roll some other type of check. For example, if you were avoiding notice during exploration, you'd roll a stealth check. Mm. Or if this is a social encounter, um, you would call for a deception or diplomacy check.
0: I see, to kind of give yourself an edge in that niche situation, yeah. you would roll the like associative check with that instead of the perception check. Right.
2: So the GM rolls initiative for anyone other than the player characters in the encounter. If these include a number of identical creatures, the GM could roll one for the group as a whole and have them take turns within the group uh, in any order. However, this can make battles less predictable and more dangerous, so the GM might want to roll an initiative for some or all creatures individually, unless it's too much of a burden now i used to be on roll individual train that mm-hmm. used to just be my philosophy like no they're each individuals they each get their own turn i have over the last year or so become converted into the nope all the enemies go at the same time turn if they're the same type of enemy because i like the swinginess of it it feels more dangerous and quite frankly since i've been running 5e from for most of these last few years uh i feel like 5e needs a little bit more danger in it so when like you know, five of, I don't know, the orcs go all in a row. Suddenly the pendulum has swung heavily in their favor. Mm-hmm. You know, I just I like that that kind of back and forth.
0: Yeah, I mean at the top of the round it's going to all quantify to the same thing it would have if you staggered everybody, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. I just feel like it has more orc, drama when it's like, "Oh, they all went,
2: "Oh my god, look at everything that they've done and we have to counter it now," you know, versus when it's more incremental.
0: Yeah, but that's just me. Uh, sometimes I like to just say like, "What's the marching order?" because that's like more Predictable to what would happen in an actual fight here. Mm, Like, okay, you're up front, so like you're first, right? Okay, sort of thing. That's interesting. I kind of like that. Yeah, Yeah. like how would it go down here? Because there's no speed stat. You know how other games, like other video game RPGs Mm. specifically, they have a speed stat. Well, I I understand what you're
2: saying. I I think that that is supposed to be quantified. We're talking about D D right now, fifth edition, between the initiative stat and Mm -hmm. the uh, your actual movement speed stat. But because everything is so homogenized with, with their speed stat, almost everyone just has 30 feet of speed. Right. It, it's basically a non-stat. And then yeah. initiative is, you know, it's a little ephemeral. It's
0: like chance because almost yeah. everybody's got like a plus three all the time. Right. Like monsters usually well, end up going first because they have such a high initiative bonus. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. So I I see your logic. I see your logic for sure. Yeah, in this game, it's like, okay, well, it's sort of random situationally.
2: It's more situational. And also perception is a thing that, like, so, like, in Dungeons & Dragons, perception has always traditionally been a skill, right? Mm -hmm. But the thing about perception is, number one, not every version of D&D has the alternative of perception, which is investigation. Mm -hmm. But number two, perception always seems to be this thing that, like, we as a community default to over investigation and maybe it's because a lot of times especially in 5e intelligence is kind of the weakest of the six ability stats as the least amount of use uh with the exception of you're like a wizard or artificer
0: man that is not my experience playing the game really yeah because well you know like all all my characters like i use Mm -hmm. investigation often yeah yeah and and it it works
2: perfectly as like either alternative or even better than a perception role What I'm saying is the reason that perception tends to become so dominant at tables is because so few uh, players are playing characters that have any version of high intelligence because intelligence does tend to be the weakest of the six ability scores. I I feel
0: like perception is in in 5e, perception Mm -hmm. is like things you see when you like look about and Mm -hmm. investigations when you use your brain to like you put your mind to it absolutely but like i've heard it explained that way i was like okay that makes total sense and
2: and that's how i see it too but i do think that perception kind of becomes the default look around and search for things
0: yeah i also i almost always in 5e and probably in pathfinder 2e as well considering like how it's gone so far aside from the initiative role perception is almost always a narrative role for me like who notices that thing up there and yes. says is gets the opportunity to say something about it. Exactly, yeah. You know, and that gets the next scene Going. kicked off. Right.
2: So, because and this is I'm I'm kind of what's the word? I'm speculating here. But because that's been my experience over the the two editions with the perception skill, mm-hmm. I think that's why Pathfinder 2nd Edition took it out of the pool and made it just a thing that all characters and players have it they have different levels of it depending but like no one is not trained in perception to a certain degree no one is not proficient in perception because everyone needs it and everyone's going to use it and so now we're going to make it this default thing that everyone has yeah is it based off wisdom i think it still is I'd have to actually check yeah, that. Yeah, it's
0: like being in tune with your surroundings. Yeah. you know That's um, the real, like, what's actually going on. And
2: it's also why they've tied it to initiative as well. It's mm-hmm. like they just turned it into a more universal thing and off the skill list.
0: Yeah, I can see how they can use it for that, for yeah. sure.
2: So unlike a typical check where the result is compared to a DC, the results of initiative roles are ranked. This ranking sets the order in which the encounter's participants act. The initiative order... The character with the highest result goes first. The second highest follows, and so on, until whoever had the lowest result takes their turn last. This is pretty one-on-one stuff, it's just like D&D. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your result is tied with a foe's result, uh, this is where it's different. If your result is tied with a foe's result, mm-hmm. the adversary goes first. Oh, <laughs> they don't roll off for it. The monster right. wins. Yeah. If your result is tied with another PC. You can decide between yourselves who goes first Uh when you reach that place in the initiative order. After that, your places in the initiative order usually don't change during the encounter. So it's like, okay, well, you guys decide. And then I guess if you guys want to fight about it, you just roll roll off then, I guess. Yeah, roll off
0: where I like to sort of suggest, like, you know, what is the bonus to the aforementioned role? Right. Who's got the higher of that? Then you win. You know, you go... You, okay, that's that's a good way to go about you it. You can choose, like you you don't necessarily go first. You defer or right. not, you know. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Um, that I know that's not written here at all. It's just no. like a home rule. Basically. No, I like it though. I think
2: the idea here too is like, okay, if you guys are a team and have been a team, then you guys might have like, like it's it's usually better when the fighter goes first because they can get out there, right? Yeah. So it's like if you guys roll together, maybe you guys just agree Draw, out of girl. character, but in character, it also makes sense. So, uh, the GM keeps track of the initiative order for an encounter. It usually, it's usually okay for the players to know this order since they'll see who goes, who goes when, and be aware of one another's results. However, the GM might want to conceal the names of adversaries the PCs have yet to identify. Any method used to track the initiative order needs to be flexible because the order can change. A creature can use a delay basic action to change its place in the order. When a creature when a creature gets knocked out, its initiative order also changes.
0: Okay. What, how do you, like, mm. this is good, like, DM to DM things. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you track combat? What's your preferred method?
2: Um, I usually just have, uh, I get all the initiative uh, totals. Mm-hmm. I just write in descending order on a, on a piece of paper.
0: Yeah, that seems that seems a little bothersome if you have to change their initiative orders, right?
2: Right. It that that is very right. Uh, what I would do, what I do there, and often I don't just write up the whole thing. I use initials. Mm-hmm. I would just cross it and then put a little yeah. like arrow to like in between these two. Now, you VM out, is going.
0: You take out your extra big Texas size eraser. And, like, fucking, <laughs> you know, um, I I think if you're gonna do it like. You know, pen and paper, it's quick, it's dirty, it's ooh, right there, it's ooh. easy to whip up, and for sure. Impromptu combat, it's almost always going to end up on a pad of paper that I right, have. Right. Um, pre planned combat almost always ends up on an Excel sheet because you can drag the rows and like, oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's
2: really useful for yeah, sure.
0: And pre planned, it's like, okay, well, I don't need to switch between character sheets and shit. I can keep track of HP in the Excel sheet on the next column over, mm-hmm. and you know, oh, there's their AC. Here's the expected like attack. Here are their attacks. Like yeah, they, they're all it's all right there, right? Yeah, totally, totally. Um, and then or you know, the the quick and dirty one is if I have like a template with players on it. Oh, let me add this troll real quick. Open up a D and D Beyond to the troll or a book, mm-hmm. open a book, and then just like highlight between turns after yeah. that. You know, nice. there's a spot for initiative. You can put in like a. Um, like uh what's it called like a filter to have it sort by numbers so you can just have them all listed like oh he got a 17 he got a 16 he got a four and then that's very nice cascade yeah. it like that. Yeah. that that's probably the best way i found ideally i rarely get around to doing that like <laughs> only for games that we're recording do i ever do that right but um for me that, I, that's a good one i think for me the pen pen and pa- paper always
2: works best for me and it's it works best for me because, like, it works best for me in life in general. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the one of the reasons I think that might be is because when I am writing with the pen, I feel like it's an extension of myself, mm-hmm. versus like the digital screen is another thing. So it's like I have to focus on it and then bring the information back into me. It feels like an extra step, and I know that's just a me thing. Yeah, but, you have to train
0: yeah. to get to have the computer be an extension of your brain, right, your exactly. mind. William,
2: I know it's true.
0: Another thing you can do is get, um, like, I've seen people with like a magnet system.
2: Oh, I've seen those, yeah. Yeah,
0: they'll do that. And there's, like, little cool tools that go into DM screens that have, like, a sword with the little name tags i you seen, can like, yeah, put, yeah. put on too. I've it seen some cool. cool stuff like it's that. It's pretty neat. Index cards are really good. If you have, like, if you're insistent on keeping pen and paper, then you have an a ind- stack of index cards with all the expected shit you need on it and just mm. put them in the order that they're going to go. Right. You know, and flip between the cards. Uh, that's how I started doing mm-hmm. initiative. And I was like, this is too much. Oh man, there's another fucking orc. I don't have another fucking index card, and it's gonna take a long time to write <laughs> right, one. So right. I just now it's like no, not doing that.
2: Yeah. So in combat, uh, on each player's turn, you have three actions that you can take. Many things that you do can take. Many things that you do can do take a single action to accomplish, and you can use these three actions in any order you see fit. With the caveat that for multiple attacks, every successive attack or strike action you take gains and increasing penalty to that attack roll. So your first attack is done with your normal stats. Second attack, you, you take a minus five. And your third attack, you take a minus ten.
0: Okay. Yeah, more to remember, but a very cool way to go about it, I mm-hmm. think. Yeah. And you were telling me that there are ways that you can uh, circumvent these minuses. There's your class. a lot of
2: ways, depending on your class and the feats that you take.
0: Yeah, like fighters are going to be better at fighting, so they might not take this neg, this neg based on how you built it.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, that's true. Um, Also, a lot of their feats, so a lot... Obviously, I haven't ran a fighter yet, but I've read a lot of fighter feats, and from my memory, a lot of their feats take an extra action to do, and you get more damage out of it. So you don't actually take the
0: negative penalty. Oh, I see. Okay. So I think
2: power attack is one, right?
0: Yeah, it's sort of like compiling the two attacks into exactly and you get the extra
2: die. But then, if you did want to take that third, uh, that that second additional action, the third action, it counts as a third uh, uh, attack for penalty purposes. So So minus ten, minus ten, exactly. Okay, interesting.
0: Yeah, if you're, I mean, if you're. Not using your actions, you might as well. Like, if that's what you are right. doing. that Right. There, if
2: there's literally, you got nothing else to do with it, then yeah.
0: Yeah, definitely just go for it.
2: Now, there are some things you can do to take more than a single action to complete. These are called activities. There are two action activities and three action activities. The most common activity seen in combat is the casting the spell activity. Most spells take two to three actions to cast, depending on their power
0: and effect. Although some some only take one. What's he doing with his hands over there? An activity. Leave him alone. (laughs) Exactly. Fucking fire appears. (laughs) (laughs) Every participant
2: also gets one reaction around, much like 5th edition D&D. These are things you can do in reaction to something else occurring. Finally, free actions are things so easy and quick uh, to do that they take no action. For example, dropping an item on the ground or yelling a few words, just like D&D.
0: Yeah. So, okay. So you get your three actions on your active turn and on your passive turn, you get one reaction. Mm -hmm. So you're not going to get those three points to use in reaction. No,
2: no, not at all. They're separate pools.
0: It's a little loopy thing with the arrow.
2: Yeah. It's a loopy thing with the arrow. It's true. So let's actually go over what a turn looks like in Pathfinder second edition. Step one, start your turn. (laughs) Many many things happen automatically at the start of your turn. It's a common point for tracking the passage of time for effects that last multiple rounds. At the start of each of your turns, you can take these steps in any order you choose. Um, Number one, if you created an effect lasting for a certain number of rounds, reduce the number of rounds remaining. The effect ends if the duration is reduced to zero. For example, if you cast a spell that lasts three rounds on yourself during the first turn of a fight, it would affect you during that turn, decrease to two rounds of duration at the start of your second turn, decrease to one round of duration at the start of your third turn, and expire at the start of your fourth turn. Now, this is very familiar to me mm-hmm. in fourth edition because that's exactly how things work in fourth edition. Okay. Uh, except for things tend to be more like uh, certain effect last save ends, right? So at the end of each turn, you, you'd save. Right, right, right. So it doesn't actually count down, but it's like ongoing effects like that are very, very common in 4th edition. They're very, very common in this game. 5th edition, it's not really like that. It's usually... Well, I guess it's kind of like that. Yeah, it's a, it, it, it just it, save ends, The way right? it's worded is usually poison lasts for a minute, but then oftentimes you can also make saves at the end of your turn to end it. Right, like guess it's going to expire in, t-
0: in 10 turns, but or 10 rounds or whatever, yeah. but you can also have a chance to save it every turn. Right. So you're right. really unlucky if it actually lasts 10 whole
2: You're perhaps. very unlucky. Well, in this case, there's a lot of effects that, no, this will last this many rounds mm. minimum, but also they'll have, but it only lasts this many rounds maximum. So, interesting. You can uh, use one free action or reaction with a trigger of your turn begins or something similar. If you're dying, you'll roll a recovery check. Do anything else that is specified to happen at the start of your turn, such as regaining hit points from fast healing or regeneration. The last step of starting your turn is always the same: regain your three actions and your one reaction. Right now, so you're ready to
0: rock. You know your refresh ray at the end of your turn. You know that's that's what it is. <coughs> Absolutely. So step two: do stuff.
2: You can use actions in any order you wish during your turn, but you have to complete one action or activity before beginning another. What actions you use often depend on your class features, skills, feats, and items, but there are default actions anyone can use described as basic actions uh, below, which we'll get into. If you begin a two action or three action activity on your turn, you must be able to complete it on your turn. You cannot, for example, begin to high jump Using your final action on one turn and then complete it as your first action on the next turn. Oh, that's funny. Which I never even <laughs> thought to do, but I guess, yeah, you gotta clarify because I'm sure someone is gonna try and yeah, do that. Yeah, some
0: carryover. Like yeah. oh no, I mean like the six second like three seconds <laughs> into my turn and then three second, you know. That's so funny. This this kind of always um so in the adventure zone during mm-hmm. the suffering game arc, and this is spoilers mm-hmm. for that show, I know there's not a big crossover between our audience and that one. I shows. wish there was because I love that show. I know, me too. That's how we got in. That's how I got into D and D and stuff. For me,
2: it was Acquisitions Inc. and then Adventure Zone. But yeah, yeah, still, yeah. yeah. Um,
0: and I get it. They don't take it very seriously when they play. No, um, but at at its heart, they're playing D and D. So like, I don't mind it. You know, they're mm-hmm. very rules fluid. Yeah, and that's that's okay. Dungeons Daddy's the same way, and people love that show. I think a lot more people listen to our two shows than those two shows. Right um shout out to you guys if you're listening and Daddies people absolutely uh but but in the adventure zone there's this story arc called the suffering game and in one of one of the fights magnus is trying to like tie a rope off to something and like throw a lance with the rope tied to it to like hit a pipe and like he wants to like wet the rope (laughs) okay yeah make a conduit for electricity or something like that and like griffin the dm was just like what the fuck are you doing and he's like come on i'm a fighter i suck that guy's casting like a bajillion damage worth of stuff like let me tie this fucking thing to this. i'd be like you know what all right fine that's basically what he's like i don't know what to do with you right now like if that's if because he's really bringing it home like this yeah. is what i want and yeah it's like, okay. no that's fair because um, each of those things in 5e would be considered an action which you get one of right? right wetting a rope would technically you have to uncork your watering skin and wet the rope mm-hmm you know there's your 6 seconds cuz it incorporates movement yeah. right yeah he,
2: you're not wrong and then
0: he's tying it to something and throwing a thing it's like okay well in pathfinder it seems more realistic to like do a few things like that
2: exactly that's exactly right um and yeah with with fifth edition for what you just said it's like okay maybe you relegate one to a bonus action but there's no rules for for making movements into other actions like there were for fourth edition for example yeah i guess it it gets messy and confusing yeah
0: yeah, and it like breaks the rules it breaks the rules right whatever fuck off Um, but like basically (laughs) what another way you could look at it is like each turn is six seconds right what can you accomplish in six seconds realistically like uh, uh, somebody with really dexterous hands that's like good at tying ropes or whatever the things he asked for I think, and, it, I think
2: it's within reason for yeah, a like, character.
0: Uh, he character. He was pushing it, yeah. and that's, you know, everyone, he's right. There's a lot of shit. They were high level. There's a lot of shit going on. He's like, dude, yeah. what the fuck? I'm just trying to throw the spear up into this right. thing. <laughs> like, okay, Travis, Which, go ahead. That's a common complaint with, with 5e <laughs> and with 3.5
2: was the disparity between Marshall and Spellcasters. Yeah. I've, I've seen that argument get a lot louder lately okay. um, over the last year. Yeah, um, one I think they the,
0: need to do something about it because 2e solved it, it feels like.
2: Uh, well, yes and no. I would say mostly yes. Yeah, mo- the, okay. The only edition that ever, ever actually fully 100% solved that was 4th edition. 4th edition rules. Which, actually, it's really cool. Yeah it completely solves the disparity they are equally powered and equally cool throughout the whole thing I mean, anyways you
0: know you're playing to you're every role playing game that has a role playing aspect and a combat aspect yeah. it's a, two different games smashed together
2: very much so every time so Agreed.
0: why not make it cool like 4th edition it wasn't yes. that it wasn't even that hard
2: no it wasn't that hard it was just here's the cold hard facts and this is a major criticism and they're not wrong 4th edition combat is designed like a war game a tactical game or in some cases you could say even like a video game
0: i it felt very video game yes even like halfway that, damage points for bosses you yeah know?
2: that being said it's incredibly well designed and very very fun and if you separate encounter and a non-encounter mode in your head like there's no problem but that that's one of the major uh Talking points of what was wrong with fourth edition, which honestly, we'll do a fourth edition episode one day. And we could really get into it. But yeah, we're moving I, a little bit away from Pathfinder Second Edition. It's true, it's true. What I, what I want to say though is that Pathfinder Second Edition has closed that gap drastically. Yeah, but some would say good. it's even reversed it a little bit, where martial characters stay very powerful throughout the whole thing, and people who are used to D&D spellcasters have this tendency to feel underpowered mm. even though it's not that they're underpowered it's that
0: they're less powerful than the they're D&D less powerful 5A 5A than they were in 5e yes it's exactly so it's, it's so unbalanced it's so off scale yeah. like how uh, my high level wizard is I, like fucking bonkers
2: I was reading an article the other day about uh some some uh, speculation on why the phenomenon happens and. They were saying, well, the thing is with spellcasting, we accept that it's magic, right? It could just do crazy stuff because we say it can. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. when we think about a fighter fighting with a sword and shield, we have context in the real world for how physics should work. Mm-hmm. So when we start trying to make it do stuff that doesn't like, like actually like uh, make any sense, we kind of reel against it. And so we feel like it's overpowered. And mechanically, we pump the brakes a little bit. And then the disparity happens because magic can do whatever the fuck you want. Yeah. And a fighter is stuck with a sword and we have a problem letting D&D be the anime that it wants to be. <laughs> letting true. punches
0: and swords do crazy shit. And that's the thing, is like as soon as you start running a blade singer, it's like all that shit's out the window. Yeah. And now your fighter's fucking cool. It exactly. just runs off of different stats. And but and it's it, a fighter. It's a
2: big reason why I like Gish characters in general. Right, I like yeah. paladins. I like bards that can also fight. I I like the mix of both because as long as you have a little magic, you can make the, the spectacular of your martial exploits make sense
0: yeah and there were really cool builds with the um the spellcaster variant of the fighter the eldritch fighter oh yeah absolutely there was called?
2: ways to make that work it was eldritch knight
0: eldritch okay. knight that's what it was it's been a while okay since... we're, we're way off we got to get back to pathfinder uh, yeah yeah okay. <laughs> okay okay
2: so uh once you have spent all your actions uh your turn ends and the next feature turns begins you can however use only some of your actions, and end your turn early. As soon as your turn ends, you lose all your remaining actions, but not your reaction or your ability to use reactions. So step three is end your turn. Once you've done all the things that you want to do with the actions you have available, you reach the end of your turn, take the following steps in any order you choose, play them proceeds to the next creature in the initiative order number one, end uh, any effects that last until the end of your turn. They're done. If you have persistent damage condition, you take the damage at this point. After you take the damage, you can attempt the flat check to end the persistent damage. You then attempt any saving throws for ongoing uh, afflictions. Uh, you can use one free action or reaction with the trigger of your turn ends. Um, resolve anything else specified to happen in your turn, and that's your turn. That's
0: good stuff to quantify.
2: Yeah. Now, many of a uh, creature or monster's actions are dictated by their class or stat block, but let's take a look at some of the more common basic actions ev- available to everybody. Basic actions represent common tasks, moving around, attacking, and helping others. As such, every creature can use basic actions, except in some extreme circumstances. And many of those actions are used very frequently. Most mm-hmm. notably, you'll use interact, step, stride, strike a great deal. Okay. So um, interact is obvious. You interact with the item. You turn something on. You pull a lever, whatever. Stride is what you would call move in D&D 5th edition. Okay. You can move up to your speed right, with stride. Um, and it only takes an action. Step is something from the older editions of D&D. So, um, you know how in D&D, if you move away from an enemy, you provoke opportunity attack.
0: Yes, in Pathfinder 2, that's not the case, right? Yeah,
2: well, yes, it's not. But well, unless. Unless they have the opportunity attack at, uh, feet.
0: Yeah, so it should be much more rare. Yes,
2: it should be much more rare. But uh, much like older editions of D&D, there's this concept of the five-foot step. So, in in, I believe, Pathfinder and 3.5, it was called Five-Foot Step. Okay. In 4th edition, it was called The Shift, and this one is just called The Step. Basically, you can use an action to move five feet without provoking any opportunity attacks, and it just takes one action. Okay. Um, and then strike is the word here used for attack, right? If you use a strike action, you're attacking.
0: Okay. Gotcha.
2: There are others, so let's go over them. Some are pretty self-explanatory. Uh, drop prone. You fall prone. Takes mm-hmm. an action. Crawl, you move five feet by crawling and continue to stay prone. This is, this is what I mean
0: by Pathfinder. It's like quantified every yeah, little detail does. of stuff.
2: Um, delay, you could postpone your turn, lower in the initiative order, um, but apparently it costs you an action, so you are losing something by doing that.
0: That's a little weird that it would cost an action. I, I, well, it's here. in. You know what? Let it's me pull ga- it up. Well, it's just a like gamified, I guess, if it does Pathfinder actually cost an action.
2: 2E, delay. Because I could be wrong. I didn't actually include the symbol. Um, no, it's a free action. Okay. It's a free action, just like 5e. Okay. Uh, interact. I already explained that. Okay, here's one. Aid. Now, you can only aid as a reaction. Okay. The trigger is an ally is about to use an action that requires a skill check or an attack roll. If you still have your reaction, you'll be like, you know what? I want to aid them. Cool. Um, Requirements. The ally is willing to accept your aid, and you have prepared
0: to help. Um, mm, So you might have to actually prepare. Mm, I'm you I'm have confused. prepared to help. Well, that could mean a lot of things. That could just yeah. mean, like, I have the item on me that I'm going to use. Yeah,
2: that's how I read it. But, uh, hey, anyone in the in the audience who, who knows for sure, if that means something in particular, please let us know. Because I, I want to know. I'm, I'm still learning. Uh, you try to help your ally with a task. So you use this reaction you must first prepare to help, usually by using an action during your turn. Mm, see, there it is. You, mm, okay. you have to say, oh, you know what? I I don't have anything else to do this turn, so... I'm just going to prepare to help somebody if if I see someone who needs help.
0: Yeah, I'm going to tie a lasso so I can, like, restrain a guy, you know, so that my fighter can hit him even harder. Sure, sure.
2: You must explain to the GM exactly how you're trying to help so you can't be vague like I was trying to be. And they determine whether you can aid your ally. Okay. It's interesting. When you use your aid reaction, attempt a skill check or attack roll of the type decided by the GM. The typical DC is 20, but the GM might adjust this DC for particularly hard or easy tasks. And then we have some parameters for critical success, success, and critical failure. Uh, a critical success is you grant your ally a plus two circumstance bonus to the triggering check. If you're a master, this increases to a plus three. And if you're a legendary in the check, it's a plus four. A success is just a plus one. And a critical failure, you actually inhibit your ally and give them a minus one to what they're trying oh, to do. Bummer. That's hilarious. That's funny to like That's... work up on the spot. Oops. <laughs> Uh, The next action we have is escape. You attempt to escape from being grappled, immobilized, or restrained. Choose one creature, object, spell effect, hazard, or other impediment. impediment. Uh, Imposing any of those conditions on you. Attempt a check uh, using your unarmed attack modifier against the DC of the effect. This is typically an athletics DC of a creature grabbing you. The thievery DC of a creature who tied you up. The spell DC for a spell effect. Or the listed escape DC of an object, hazard, or other impediment. Uh, you can attempt an acrobatics or athletics check instead of using your attack modifier if you choose. Okay. Uh, leap, you take a careful short jump. You can leap up to 10 feet horizontally if your speed is at least 15 feet or up to 15 feet horizontally if your speed is at least 30 feet. That's going to be most people. Mm-hmm. Uh, you land in the space where your leap ends. If you leap vertically, you can move up to three feet vertically and five feet horizontally onto an elevated surface. Jumping a greater distance requires using an athletic skill. And there's lots of feats for bigger, better, quicker jumps.
0: Yeah. I don't know why everybody's like, oh, the centaur, it's OP. They only have four feet.
2: (laughs) All right. The next one is ready. This is like ready in action. you prepare to use an action that will occur outside of your turn. Choose a single action or free action that you can use and designate a trigger. Your turn ends. uh, Your turn ends at this point. So you probably want to do this at the end of your turn. Okay. If the trigger you designated occurs before the start of your next turn, you can use the chosen action as a reaction. Provided you still meet the requirements to use it, you can't ready a free action that already has a trigger. Okay, that's cool. Lastly here, not that this is the last one, it's just the last one I included, it's take cover. Requirements you're benefiting from cover are near a feature that allows you to take cover or are prone. There's so many cover rules in every game. I know. It it matters too. It does. Uh, You press yourself against a wall or duck behind an obstacle to take better advantage of cover. If you would have a standard cover, you instead gain greater cover, which provides a plus four circumstance bonus to AC, to reflex saves against area effects, and to stealth checks to hide, sneak, or otherwise avoid detection. Otherwise, you gain the benefits of standard cover, which is a plus two circumstance bonus instead. This lasts until you move from your current space, use an attack action, become unconscious, or end this effect as a free
0: action. Okay um i know in 5e it's like worded a lot more complicated than that it's like five quarters cover quarter cover
2: yeah there's that
0: and is a quarter cover it's hide, half, half hide is your matter? action right you yeah. have
2: to take a hide action so there goes your action well unless you you're can't the rogue, shit, unless you're a rogue the normal one doing right. this type of bullshit exactly but in this case it's like okay i'm going to do this thing and then i'm going to do this thing And you know what like i can i have a place here i can hide i'm going to hide there Damn, you just did three things. That's
0: cool. I know, and it probably still took six seconds. Like five E is a little strict with its combat.
2: Yeah, it's just it's really strict with its allowances of what you can do based off its
0: action economy. Yeah. Um I mean I like I love the fluid like the no opportunity attack thing is like Yeah. It opens it up so much. Just that one rule. It does, it does. Like yeah, man. Like, I, I just have such <laughs> gripes with Five E's combat. Like, seeing something else at all is like, ooh, cool. Neat. Yeah. Well, it's just weird that like Five E,
2: not Five E, has the whole disengaged thing. But again, there goes your turn, mm-hmm. right? While like every other edition up to that had the shift or five foot
0: step. Yeah. Like,
2: why did we lose that? I don't. I don't understand. But, yeah.
0: Like there, there's ways around. You know, you have to play smart and mm-hmm. like giving up your turn to move away maybe it's all situational. It's mm-hmm. it's just so hard to tell if it's going to be worth it or not. Right. And I think that's why everybody gets that pool of options, you know, like hide, disengage, dash, like mm-hmm. those types of things anybody can do it. But I like the variety here in Tui, and like doing a few things makes sense. You know, and The fact
2: is no one likes to give up their turn. Even DMs don't like to do that to their monsters most of the time.
0: It's one of the most powerful bartering chips like in the combat scenario mm-hmm. is like, making people lose their turn right That's or giving up exactly right. like lose like casting a spell and having it miss essentially your turn got skipped you know? right you lost a resource
2: too mm-hmm. it sucks it does you know suck. it feels bad yeah you know what i do when i feel bad
0: take, take a rest. rest let's fucking do let's that do shit. it mm. <laughs> And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream.
1: So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.
0: We've returned. We're fucking back. Dude, we are. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what else I could do if I want to beat someone up in a fantasy (laughs) role-playing game.
2: Okay, well, next we're going to talk about movement, so you can move.
0: Oh, okay. I forgot to talk about Patreon.
2: Oh, you did? Let's yeah. talk about Patreon.
0: I'm going to use an action to go back and talk about it. Yeah, sure.
2: We get three actions here in Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I'm going to use my so second
0: action to actually talk about it. Let's do it. Hey, go to patreon.com slash dungeoncast where you can support the show monetarily. It helps a lot. It's like the best way you can support us. And when you do that, you get lots of benefits.
2: And extra goodies.
0: Extra bennies and goodies. Uh, One of those benefits is that you get to listen to these kinds of episodes ad-free and if early they, yeah if there are ads playing anywhere or baked in or whatever those shits got obliterated yeah decimated and, and they're fucking not here uh so yeah and y- early as we can get them i mean like sometimes we can't get them early uh,
2: usually early they're though. usually
0: i yeah. don't know it's like 50 50 these days <laughs> you really you're not selling this patreon people man. keep getting sick well it's ad free and it's that's true dope. and it's we like people well, it's usually keep like getting sick on those time times it's like six hours early or whatever which is still cool early is early yeah and fuck ads i mean we need them to survive but yeah we love all our advertisers if you don't want ads go
2: there you won't get them anymore
0: yeah um so you can do that or you can listen to uh like live plays and actual plays we've done lots of um there's a ton of them in there there's stuff currently coming out in the uh the tier omega which is the next tier up off, off the five bucks um and right now we're doing something called Super Short Saga. That's dropping in there right now. You can listen to <laughs> Goblin Punks. We're working on Sexy Battle wizards, gonna finish that one pretty soon. Um, yeah. And uh, your your uh your support it means a lot to us. We do like equipment upgrades and we pay our bills and shit. So that's fucking cool. I feed my kids. Yeah. So thanks. Uh, thanks to everybody who's supporting. Um, we have patron voted topics. Uh. monthly yeah yeah that you guys nominate in patreon Mm -hmm, uh mm -hmm. so if you want to be a part of that stuff donate at any level there's also higher tiers with merch and uh like that's unique for the year yeah go check it out it's a really cool 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 place to be patreon.com slash dungeon cast you get like a discord invite for a special channel and everything yep 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 um okay now tell me what i can do to beat people up let's go we're we're moving
2: now So movement works much as it does in 5th edition D&D. Your movement during encounter mode depends on the actions and other abilities you can use whether you can stride, step, swim, or climb. The maximum distance you can move is based on your speed. Certain feats and magic items can grant you other movement types allowing you to swiftly burrow, climb, fly, or swim.
0: Yeah, and to be clear this is a game that you play like on a grid, right?
2: Yes, so grid movement is very much encouraged with Pathfinder 2nd edition. Not as much as say 4E, which it's almost that mandatory shit. yeah um although i i have done it with the theater of the mind but it's almost mandatory mm-hmm. um yeah there's so many there's
0: so many niche yeah. rules i think movement.
2: i think we did like half of sorry tangent patreon again for vault raiders and the isle of dread i think the first half was theater the mind and then the dungeon we did grid
0: oh okay it was a long time. Man, ago. it was a long yeah, time but ago.
2: I think that's how I ran, it. and that was a fourth edition game.
0: Yeah, that was like our first, one of our first goes at yeah. actual play stuff. Yeah, it's um, very true. It's on Patreon. Yeah, it is go on Patreon. Check it, check it out. Um, so or hexagons, right? Like you can do. Or oh, yeah, yeah, that's a hex movement is also another thing. I think hex is easier. They're interchangeable, but hex is easier for spells, ra- spell ranges, and stuff is, is like that. that? Yeah, think... you know, I've never actually used hex stuff just because I've never felt the need. Yeah, when you're using the grid, like you can make cones and stuff like shapes and like anything that falls within the square you know it's real yeah. easy to visually see that but yeah like thinking about like what it's supposed to do mm-hmm. in like aoe scenarios like 15 foot spacing between mm-hmm. like that's a little weird on a, a four by four kind of
2: yeah well okay so so with cones i actually think it's trickier with um with the square grid right because you have to actually like do do a uh-huh. thing and like see what it intersects as. Yeah. Uh. What what I liked about fourth edition was they they didn't do cones. What they did was close blasts. Okay. And so you would have a fifteen foot close blast, right? So basically, and you could point it in any direction, like on any square touching your square, even diagonally, and it just was a uh, a fifteen foot by fifteen foot cube that you just oh, land, nice. and you can you as long as it was touching you, it it, it quote unquote worked. Okay. Um, But anyways, yeah, I've never used text stuff, but it looks cool. So grid movement is encouraged but not necessary when a character moves on a grid. Every one-inch square of the play area is five feet across in the game world. Hence, a creature moving in a straight line spends five feet of its movement for every map square traveled. But because moving diagonally covers more ground... You Count that movement differently. The first square of diagonal movement you make in a turn counts as five feet, but the second counts as 10 feet, and your count thereafter alternates between the two. Okay, um, this was true in 3.5, but not in fourth. I, I don't think it's true in fifth, I don't remember because I, me... I do everything theater in mind in fifth. <laughs> uh,
0: counts five feet, but the second counts as 10. Yeah, I don't know that rule, it, it alternates. Yeah, I, I really don't. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Again, such I'm a downer theater- on 5e combat. I know, but like, I really don't like it, and so I theater the mind everything.
2: Uh, yeah, I theater the mind everything. Not just because that's it's it's so easy. That's one of the great things about 5e. I love that I can theater the mind 5e because um, it it really plays to my DM style. Yeah, um, yeah. But but anyways, uh, flanking is the next thing we're going to talk about. When you and an ally are flanking a foe, it has a harder time defending against you. The creature is considered flat-footed taking a minus two circumstance penalty to its AC. Um, uh, The creature's fluffed to melee attacks from creatures that are flanking it. So if you're not flanking
0: it, you don't get that
2: bonus. So if you're that third wheel who's not part of the flanking, you don't get it.
0: Okay, so that's cool. Their AC is just down. That makes more... Advantage is so powerful. Like flanking in 5e is like ridiculous. It's so dumb. So that's
2: one of the things about 5e is advantage and disadvantage are fantastic... uh, mechanics but they're very powerful yes and i understand 5e's reticence about not wanting to do too many minus two penalties but honestly it could do with a lot of more minus twos and plus twos because minus twos and plus twos by themselves are easy to keep track of Uh, as long as like you you make it so nothing can really stack okay um if you're trying to keep it simple i don't mind things stacking uh fourth edition is full of stacking but um yeah, you just got to be really it, meticulous if, about if, the way you track all that yeah, stuff. If yeah, you, if you have the philosophy of keeping, simple, uh, keeping it simple, just make sure they can't stack, and it's really easy to keep track of. Mm-hmm. plus is real simple. Uh, to flank a foe, you and your ally must be on the opposite sides of the creature. A line drawn between the center of your space and the center of your ally space must pass through the opposite sides or opposite corners of the foe's space. Additionally, both you and the ally have to be able to act. You must be wielding melee weapons or be able to make an unarmed attack. You can't be under any effects that prevent you from attacking and you must both have the enemy within reach. If you're wielding a reach weapon, you use your reach with that weapon for this purpose.
0: I bet um, that's detailed like on the weapon, huh?
2: Yes, that would be detailed on the weapon. Now, I do find this interesting because if you are a wizard and you don't have an uh, actual weapon that you're proficient in, mm-hmm. then you can't flank.
0: Yeah, you're fucking worthless back there. Yeah,
2: exactly. So, So get out of there. What are you doing? You're supposed to be in the back.
0: Ah, yeah, Cast that's the true. Because yeah. there's no there's no real advantage to it at all. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah.
2: I I do find that interesting that they took the time to do that, and I I think it's the right decision. It's just like you check know.
0: this dude with like the chair he found in the room, like behind me. I I do not care. Yeah,
2: exactly. <laughs> I do not care because he has a strength of eight. Interesting. <laughs> all right, next up, let's talk about cover. We we mentioned it earlier with the take cover action. Now let's actually talk about cover. Okay. So when you're behind an obstacle that could block weapons, guard you against explosions, or make you harder to detect, you are behind cover. Standard cover gives you a plus two bonus to AC to reflect saves against area effects and stealth stealth checks to hide, sneak, or otherwise avoid detection. You can increase this to greater cover using the take cover basic action, increasing the circumstance bonus to a plus four. If cover is especially light, typically when it's provided by a creature, uh, you have lesser cover, which grants a
0: plus one circumstance bonus to AC. So hiding behind someone is cover? Yeah, Yeah. A
2: creature with standard cover or greater cover can attempt to use stealth to hide, but lesser cover is not sufficient for that.
0: that. Is hiding behind someone true for 5e2? Can you do that? Um, I mean, I guess theoretically, yeah. I think the
2: halfling specifically has a feature allowing you to hide behind larger creatures. Okay. So I'm going with no, you normally
0: can't. That seems lame. (laughs) I like this idea where it's like, well, you're behind shit. You're behind shit. Yeah. I always thought that was weird, like... You're behind somebody. There should be like a A some sort of bonus or penalty to you know depending on what side of the fence you're on.
2: So I keep bringing up fourth edition just because I remember it well enough. Uh, So in fourth edition, uh, if allies were in the way of you attacking, uh, no penalty because the idea is like you could talk and be like, "Hey guys, move," you know. Okay. Um, But if an enemy is in the way of another enemy that you're trying to get, yeah, there's there's a partial cover
0: penalty. Interesting.
2: So usually the GM can quickly decide whether your target has cover. If you're uncertain or need to be more precise, draw a line from the center of your space to the center of the target space. If that line passes through any terrain or object that would block the effect, the target has standard cover. If the line passes through a creature instead, the target has lesser cover. When measuring cover against an area of effect, uh, draw the line from the effect's point of origin to the center of the creature space. Okay. I like it. Basically, it's like your GM should be able to just do it quickly, but if you really want to be precise, here's a method to do it.
0: Yeah, which is good. Uh, like... I- Applause to them for, like, knowing what argument is about to occur at the table with right. that one guy. Exactly. You know? It's like,
2: okay, like, it, it's literally like, here are both solutions. Mm-hmm. The, here's the first solution that will work for probably most tables. And here's the solution for our table that needs it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, immunities, weaknesses, and resistances. Neat. So, immunity. When you have immunity to a specific type of damage, you ignore all damage of that type. If you have immunity to a specific condition or type of effect, such as being poisoned or poison damage, you, can be, you can't you can be affected by that condition or any effect of that type. That's right. Get fucked in
0: every tabletop, poison.
2: <laughs> no, I think poison is much more effective in this one. Uh, I just brought be. it up because of 5E. It better be. Yeah, you can still be targeted by an ability that includes an effect or condition you are immune to. <coughs> you just don't apply that particular effect or condition. Okay. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. If you have immunity to effects with a certain trait so pathfinder second edition almost everything has traits attacks have traits feats have traits weapons have traits traits all around the tag system right tag system right so certain creatures or even characters might have immunities to very particular traits or tags as you said such as the death effect or poison or disease you are unaffected by effects with that trait often uh, an effect has a trait and deals that type of damage. This is especially true in the case of energy damage types. In these cases, the immunity applies to the effect corresponding to the trait, not just the damage. So you get both.
0: Tabletops are funny. It was the death effect. Like, you know, he didn't die. <laughs> yeah. That's the death effect. Or the death effect is, is he no longer breathes. <laughs> He's out. That's too funny. Gone forever
2: immunity to critical hits works a little differently when a creature immune to critical hits is critically hit by a strike or other attack that deals damage it takes normal damage instead of double damage this does not make it immune to any other critical success effects of other actions that have the attack trait such as grapple or shove
0: see other rule standards for like negating crits in 5e that sounds like a cool item i would make up to like hand out you know instead of like something that's baked in
2: the only item that i know five e has that does that is adamantine armor just makes you immune to crits well oh, there you go yeah yeah but but still like that's it's, a bonkers item it's a bonkers item it's it like end game it shit is. it is it is um and i imagine obviously my experience is limited i imagine it is kind of probably more limited in this case too okay um Uh, Another exception is immunity to non-lethal attacks. If you're immune to non-lethal attacks, you are immune to all damage from attacks with the non-lethal trait, no matter what other type the damage has. For instance, a stone golem has immunity to non-lethal attacks. This means that no matter how hard you hit it with your fist, you're not going to damage it. Unless you have fists that don't have non-lethal trait, such as if if you're a monk. Because these are weapons. Yeah.
0: (laughs) These hands is rated E for everyone. Indeed.
2: (laughs) Uh, Next up, weaknesses. if you have a weakness to a certain type of damage or damage from a certain source, that type of damage is extra effective against you. Whenever you would take that type of damage, increase the damage you take by the value of the weakness. For example, if you are dealt 2d6 fire damage and have a weakness 5 to fire, you take 2d6 plus 5 fire damage. In the real world,
0: everybody has a weakness to fire. Yeah, absolutely. I would imagine. Very much so.
2: So does that make sense? Like uh weaknesses in this game have a numerical value. Yeah. And that is the extra flat damage that you take.
0: I think that's cool. Yeah. Like it's just gonna instead of like flat doubling stuff, that's too crazy, right? Mm-hmm. You Can't really be doing that.
2: It worked like this in, in the previous at least three point five and four E. So when I say previous D and D editions, I those are the two I mean. I don't have experience with first and second, so I can't speak to it. Yeah. If you have a weakness to something that doesn't normally deal damage, such as water, you take damage equal to the weakness value when touched or affected by it. Okay. If more than one weakness would apply to the same instance of damage, use only the highest applicable weakness value. They don't stack. Uh, this usually happens only when a monster is weak to both a type of physical damage and a given material. So, like, I guess, like, silver slashing to werewolf paper. Yeah. Uh <laughs>
0: to lichen bodies
2: <laughs> yeah there we go <laughs> uh next up is resistances if you have resist it works the same as weakness in reverse if you ever re- making
0: a rock paper scissors joke y- yeah it was a really bad one <laughs> i was, like, I was just like what's paper? weak to slashing and i couldn't think of a monster It was like paper <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyways oh my god you have resistance to a type of damage each time you take that type of damage you reduce the amount of damage you take By the listed amount, resistance can specify combinations of damage types or other traits. For instance, you might encounter a monster that's resistant to non-magical bludgeoning damage, meaning it would take less damage from bludgeoning attacks that aren't magical, but would take normal damage from your plus one mace, since it's magical, or your non-magical spear, since it deals piercing damage. A resistance also might have an exception. For example, resistance tend to physical damage, except for silver, werewolf paper, would reduce any physical damage by 10 unless the damage was dealt by a silver weapon if you have more than one type of resistance that would apply to the same instance of damage again they do not stack use the highest applicable resistance value Um, it's possible to have resistance to all damage when an effect deals damage of multiple types and you have resistance to all damage Apply the resistance to each damage type separately. So this does stack. If an attack would deal seven slashing damage and four fire damage, resistance five to all damage would reduce the slashing damage to two and negate the fire damage entirely. That's probably some high legendary
0: monster shit right there. Yeah, and there are attacks that do like both types of damage right like yeah there, there are there are attacks. punches and stuff like yeah that. absolutely there there are plenty
2: of attacks and stuff in this game that will use multiple yeah lightning sword
0: decks. thorn whippies mm-hmm. all thorn kinds whippies. Of, yeah those are favorite. all just combo stuff it's absolutely right and i was just like flashback to high school taking out my notebook and the person next to me is like why is there hair all over your notebook and I'm like it was made that way so <laughs> because you know, it's a it's a werewolf mm, it's a werewolf i finger. got it <laughs> <laughs> thank you uh should we get ready for a long rest you, uh, like, probably but
2: well do you have any other questions about how combat is is ran in pathfinder second edition how my, you how you work it
0: my closing well okay so we have yet to play one don't tell I... them that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, I mean, like, goddamn. It's, well, not... it's not my fault you guys didn't fight the, the corrupted. Oh no, Spoiler. Sorry. Yeah, it's not your fault. Um, yeah. But also, go... okay, so check out Patreon.com. You'll be able to check out Unhollowed there pretty soon. Um,
2: I had a fight planned for them. They expertly avoided it, and so we didn't have a combat that
0: session. Sometimes we just waited out. They thing. really and did. the problem goes away.
2: They, they, it sure
0: did. I like, I don't know why I'd walk over there. Honestly, I don't really know why I'd do that, so I'm just going to stay here. And everybody was like, that sounds reasonable. And then the thing just went away. Yep. yep. Uh, I that's, mean, that's there how... was a, a lot of checks had to be passed, and
2: they were all passed. So yep, it worked we out. We did it.
0: We were very, like, I, they all made sense, and yeah. I probably could have died in that scenario. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but I didn't. I thought it was going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, ooh, I'm going to do what I think I should do. And I might die. Let's see how it goes. <laughs> and that's playing role playing games. So mm-hmm. yeah, we didn't do our combat yet. But like the theory here, I, I wrote this little cheat sheet for that game that I was gonna pass around the table. But like, it's not very big. Like no, it's th- pretty extreme. If you're familiar with five e combat, it's not really. It's it's a sidestep mm-hmm. over into yeah. a, a few extra rules, really. And yeah. and that's w- honestly what it feels like is extra rule extra stuff to extra definitions yeah yeah like well even just the action economy is is buffed Mm -hmm. in a way like there's more to do so there's more to keep track of and exactly in a way that it you know like i was saying with the rope tying thing and like throwing something or whatever it better better for that quantifying that type of stuff so you don't have to get you know into the rules water and wait around and try to figure it out yeah this kind of handles it i feel like i we i haven't I can't imagine a scenario in Pathfinder where it's not quantified somewhere.
2: Like, yes. If you ever have a question, there's going to be a rule for it. Yeah. like the, If you search, if, if you need it, you, it'll be there for you as a tool.
0: Yeah. Searching for rules in Pathfinder is like crazy. So, you know, yeah. just let the let the guide be your guide. You don't really have to come up with it like 5 mm-hmm. Yeah. which is cool. I, I like that for combat. For for switching from roleplay to combat, I want all the rules. You know? Right. I want all the extra rules. So. When yeah. I switch out of, of all range mode because I can't get Star Fox mm-hmm. out of my head – uh, you know, in in Star Fox sixty four, you go into the three D map instead of just the straightforward map, and he's like all range mode, and his wings change uh, mode. Okay, yeah, 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 around. yeah. I've yeah. definitely brought this up on the show. Before. You probably have, yeah, yeah, for <laughs> sure. I, that's a great game. Star I Fox hear 64. nothing but good things about it. Yeah, you it's, play it's it. a classic. It's from a my great pilot game. Like that's cool. A lot of fun.
2: Um, but I I do get your analogy for sure, and I agree with it. Although, um, what's cool about Pathfinder Second Edition is that, um. It, it provides everything that you need but you don't if you don't need it don't don't use it so like there right. are people who feel opposite who who want a lot more structure when it comes to out of combat and trust me this game definitely has plenty of it i won't be using a good portion of it because i don't need it right but whenever i do need it i it's know it's there. there and it's a quick lookup
0: yeah and that's totally it feels like that's what it's there for yeah. like oh we don't know this part let's go look at it and there's like you know tight rules for it and it's mm-hmm. like okay well we can keep as much of this as we feel necessary exactly like, yeah. it's better that they did more are we did we talk about um like death and being wounded condition and stuff like uh, that uh we talked
2: about that in the learning pathfinder we, oh we, we did detailed. you're it right perfectly. you're right so we, I, that I was a it detailed it portion too yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: okay i yeah. was gonna say because it's on my cheat sheet you're at right. the very yeah. end yeah. and i'm like oh wounded and died i think dying. we only yeah. mentioned it a little bit yeah, but we, yeah
2: we talked about it in a different episode. so go
0: check out that our previous pathfinder yeah, it would have been
2: the learning pathfinder uh second edition episode
0: yeah because what happens at the end of most combats death (laughs) for some yeah for some (laughs) all right not for people that are good at it
2: (laughs) i think it's time to take a long rest
0: let's do it let's do it hey everybody and welcome to the long rest this is the part of the episode where we take a break from kicking ass Kicking the ass of all the people that tried to fight us and yep. rolled bad perception, and we got to jump on them and they died.
2: Uh, oh, they took three actions.
0: Hey, we want to say a special thank you. We have a PO box for those of you that don't know, and you're welcome to send stuff there. A heads up via email is cool, so I know to go check it. I try to check it pretty regularly. It's hard to get to the post office, man. Like I work, I work like until five most of the weekdays, so fucking I can't go during the week. And if you don't get there early enough on the on Saturday, <laughs> the fucking window is closed. You can't go pay for shit or like pick up bigger packages. So we got a big box and, uh, it didn't fit in our PO box and it didn't fit in the locker that I could access with my PO box without having to go to this window. So this actually came like weeks ago and I just got it. Um, what yesterday, I think I picked up the package and then this episode is airing like two weeks after I'm recording it. So it's been a while, but we want to say thank you to Chris, um, who sent us some really awesome dice boxes. My goodness! Yeah, these um, things are awesome. <laughs> they have our logo like carved into carved it, carved into them, or I would like say wood ca- burned into it. No, that I don't it's think it's wood burned. burned. It's, it's, it's carved.
2: It's, it's impressed into it. Yeah, like it, it looks beautiful.
0: Yeah, I don't think it's by hand because it's too perfect on all three boxes. Yeah, but
2: it's it's beautiful. It's got our logo perfectly on it. They're made of wood and they they're very roomy inside and there's like three compartments yeah for, they're magnetic like very they're nice. magnetic yeah these yeah. things are beautiful man so you can
0: fit like a dice a uh, set of dice and then like either extra dice or like minis or pens
2: t- even you can put pens yeah you in can here. totally put a yeah. pen on that side and then put yeah. the
0: dice in the other container you know whatever you need but it's a really cool like strong they're, magnet they're stained beautifully it's like yeah they're they're yeah yeah Will we'll got done. like a pine and i got like a cherry wood yeah. And then there was an, a third one that was like also Cherrywood or something like that. I don't even know. It's they're fucking awesome, though. And uh, we really appreciate it, Chris. So he actually sent a note that I'm going to read. Um, so, yeah, if you guys want to send stuff to the box, we'll talk about it on the show. We'll read your letters, that sort of thing. Um, and, and we really appreciate it. Uh, so Will and Brian, thanks so much for all that you both do. Uh, making dice boxes and other game accessories has become a passion of mine, and I love getting to share it with other players. I wanted to show my appreciation via these dice boxes. They're made of solid purple heart, canary, and padauk. Pad-padauk? padauk pad Unsure. P-A-D-A-U-K. <laughs> uh, that's my... Padauk? Yeah, that's my safeguard for when I can't say a word right. I'll just spell it. You guys know. They'll fit standard-sized dice, and the foam inserts are removable if you'd like. Uh, I'm not in business in any official capacity and mainly pursue this kind of work as a hobby. Mostly, I just like bringing ideas to life for other passionate gamers and it not costing me too much. Uh, to that end, you should uh, should either of you like anything else made, whether it be rolling trays, a DM screen, etc., I'd be happy to oblige. Shout out to Demogorgon, Chris. Shout, Shout out, out to, to D. Uh Thank you, Chris. That was a really nice message. Yeah, and, um, absolutely. I mean, don't go crazy. I'm happy to... To accept anything that you send and on their next step uh for the last two episodes well okay so we had an episode with diggy um where like our normal display you know we're on zoom yeah so our normal yeah. display isn't available but this episode we had it on display oh, up yeah front right the up whole there. time i put mine up cool there beans. uh we'll we'll pick the um let's see what types of wood there the i i imagine I'm sure that's think- the canary is the lighter one i would imagine so I mean I could look it up real quick but um, i don't feel like it this one
2: up here, the one that's on display, that's definitely Purple Heart.
0: Okay, yeah, cool. Um, so yeah, Brilliant. we had we had one up here in front of our Demogorgon, uh, plushie. So if you guys want to check them out, just scroll back a little bit if you're on YouTube and like zoom in to yeah, the you'll setup see up, it front. up there. Yeah. So um, thanks, thanks so much, Chris. Uh, when I opened, I didn't know this was coming necessarily. Like, Mariko might know because there might have been an email that you know, like, so. When I opened the box, I looked inside. I was like, "What the fuck is this?" And I op- I, I saw these three boxes. Like, "Yo, what the fuck? These are amazing!" I was like, "Not <laughs> expecting really cool. it. It made my day." Um. So yeah, thanks a lot. If you want to make a DM screen for us, man, I'll throw it up front up here. Oh yeah. You know that'd be so cool, and I'll use it for games too. It'll live in the studio. Yeah, somewhat. I'll use it for unhallowed. Yeah, why not? Um, that that would be radical. Um, otherwise, like we're happy to pay you. And and promote whatever, but like you said, you're not doing a business thing. So I think it's really cool that this is a hobby that you have and that you're so good at it because these and are these pieces are are excellent. Yep, this is like uh, something we'll I'd buy using in a this shop.
2: At my games,
0: yeah, one hundred. Yeah, we'll we'll had some new dice on him when we got here. And When he saw him, he's like, "Oh shit!" He immediately <laughs> throws his dice in there. I did yeah. I'm gonna go <laughs> get some dice specific to put in here because I have another case for my die. The dice I'm using right now. I don't know. I'm weird. I like to leave the setup as is like we got those um, uh, the healing dice. And yeah, that's like its own setup, too. I oh, just like yeah, left yeah. those alone. Yeah, so I'll grab that box. So these that what I mean to say is the box that you've sent us is special to me in a way where it requires me to go buy dice to make sure <laughs> it is its own unique set of everything. Uh, yeah, so definitely. thank you so much, man. That's that's, that's so cool. Yeah, we're we're happy to anything you want to make us, you know, and send it. We'll definitely talk about it on the show. But um, you know, don't go crazy. If you want me to send you some cash, man, no problem with that at all. These are fucking great. Um, so yeah, thanks a lot. It's cool getting something like this in the PO box too. So every once in a while, we'll get like letters or whatever. Um, but yeah, that, that uh, I think it's one seven eight four. I don't know. Go check it out in the notes. <laughs> it's I can't in remember. The description. I can't remember it. It's it's just not there. But it's in every episode description. So uh what else we got support us on patreon.com slash the dungeon we talked about it in length already all the cool stuff that's there but it helps a lot um it really does and we we're working hard to make sure that there's content in there for you guys on a weekly basis as well as like as much actual play stuff as we can get in there plus all the newsletters and polls that will's been doing are really cool i see a lot of cool interaction going on um so yeah check that out you can find us on social media you can find us in discord if you guys want to chat or talk about anything. There's been a lot of activity in the Dungeon Cast uh, channel specifically, which is very cool. Uh, always happy to talk about the show or any questions you guys have in there. Uh, also, Flashbang and the Surgeon has moved to a weekly release. I think I talked about that previously. Um, it's just going to be a lot easier, and I don't really care about the staggering thing <coughs> anymore. Like we'll get to the we'll get to whatever needs to be in the feed next when we get to it. Like, yeah, if we have the time. Yeah. So uh, very cool. I think right now. It should be session three is done, which is uh, inspired by the Scarecrow from Batman: The Animated Series. Uh, for anybody without context, Flashbang the Surgeon is a Batman: The Animated Series uh, actual play game that I run with my good friend and Jake, your special guest Jake, as a matter of fact. And our good, our good, fr- I think I call him good friend Steve. He's our good friend, <laughs> friend of the show Josh <laughs> Freeland, and good our good friend yeah, that's Steve. Hilarious. Uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> I think in the Discord now, people, somebody was talking about. Uh, they're at like a fancy party, and he's yeah. like yelling for his drink. I actually made that a soundbite on my phone to like assign to his text messages when they came in. <laughs> Garçon, where's my drink? <laughs> this shit is so fucking funny. That's really funny. Yeah. So if you want to see um people have a panic attack at a fucking uh fancy party uh in a fun way, <laughs> that, <laughs> in a fun you, way, yeah, you can go do that because panic attacks are not fun. No, but no. um it, it's a it's a super superhero game based off uh Batman the animated series and it is like ran in fifth edition D&D. And it is run in fifth edition D&D and it's a lot of it's a lot of fucking fun. I just convert episodes of that show to D&D and it works out great cuz I got two real good friends uh that know what the fucks up. Yeah. True, um true unscripted, that. they just know what the fuck is up. And it's like very that's true. why we do the show. <laughs> so yeah, the Scarecrow one's going on. It, that's a really good one. Uh it like kind of sets the tone for everything that to come after that. Um we got fucking I forget what session four was, but I know session five is uh, Mr Freeze. So if you guys are like looking for specific Batman villains to show up, <laughs> the Mr Freeze episode is like arguably our best episode of all time. Nice. Um, so that's that's coming up, and I'm really excited for that. So if you guys, go check it out. It's on the Super Quest Saga feed. Um, yeah that's uh that's all i got you got anything else
2: i guess uh i'll i'll leave off saying that we have really big news coming for star seekers guide to dragon star um uh we're going to try and be opening up the 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 kickstarter to people who missed it um along with some new artwork and stuff to show off obviously we've released one of the betas the second one is is quickly incoming and i'm hoping the third one is very quick to follow because i've been working on a lot of stuff that is lately that is going to be part of the third beta um that being said uh you guys will know as soon as i know and i will we will we'll talk about probably at the top of the two or three episodes that uh that uh, pre preclude it
0: all right well that let's call it a game
2: let's call it a game. we'll talk to you guys later
0: bye